that Jesus gave in the Gospel of John. Jesus himself declares, the hour has come, meaning the crucifixion is imminent. And so he begins his final preparation of his friends, his disciples, for what is about to happen. And I think he is preparing them in two ways. First, he is helping to prepare them by helping them to understand the cross. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So when I am lifted up from the earth, and here he is describing explicitly the death on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. But I think he's also preparing his disciples, us, in a second way. He is preparing his disciples to live out this vision of life in our own lives. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. For Christ, what he is about to go through at this appointed hour is not separate from what we must go through as his disciples. To be sure, life, not death, has the final word. But part of our journey in this, to this eternal life, we're being told, is through facing our death. There is no Easter without the cross, and there is no following Jesus that doesn't involve death. And I want to note, when he is talking about death here, I think he's not just talking about mere conversion experience, what many would describe as being born again, because he is talking to people who are already his disciples, who are already following. Whoever must, whoever serves me must follow me. So this is a vision of the Christian life, well-lived, not just about turning away from our old nature. It is about what it means for us to understand, as Christ describes, what it means for us to become more holy, to become shaped into a more holy human shape, to become like a seed planted deeply in the dirt. It is a vision of life, if I'm being honest, that I'm not altogether comfortable with, for the obvious reason, I don't want to die. I don't like facing fearful things. I don't want to go into the dirt. I don't want to be buried into the earth. Many of us might agree with that, and, but many others might disagree. There are some in this life who will say that they are not afraid of death. You hear stories of thrill-seekers all the time doing these, uh, who seem to laugh at the face of death. And there are others who seem perfectly accepting of their mortality as well. Many of you have read that uh, Stephen Hawking, the brilliant theoretical physicist, died this past week. And someone posted this quote of him saying, I am not afraid of death, but I'm in no hurry to die. So why would it be so difficult for a Christian to face death? I think it is possible to accept the idea of death in our lives. It is possible to say, I get that we all die, and I'm okay with that idea, yet still live gripped by its looming presence in our lives. What do I mean by this? 
You are all familiar with uh, the, the passage from Paul, Paul's admonition, that the wages of sin is death from Romans 6. We get this. Sin decays, sin destroys, sin suffocates life. Well, some years ago, I read something that reminded me that the converse of this statement is also true, that not only is the wages of sin death, but the wages of death is sin. Our obsession over death, or better, not dying, makes us ignore what matters to God, that our sense of finitude and the finality of death at times creates in us a sense of scarcity, of time, of experience, and that it causes for us to steal what is not ours, to hoard when we ought to give away, and to live ungenerous, anxious, selfish lives. Being gripped by our fear of death causes for us to live in fear of loss, in fear of being vulnerable, fear that we might have messed up this life beyond repair, or if you're a parent, that you might have messed up your child's life beyond repair. We live gripped by death long before we experience physical death. Wages of sin is death, but the wages of death is sin, fear, anxiety, ungenerous living. And we often base our spirituality around such fears. When I looked at this verse in verse 27, this is almost funny thing that Jesus says. He says, he asks this rhetorical questions, question. And rhetorical questions, of course, are statements that are so obvious you don't even have to guess at the answer. But it's interesting what he thinks is obvious versus what I think, I think, if I'm being honest again, the pract this practice of spirituality that I normally practice. He asks his question, says, Now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? Jesus says, obviously, no. And far too often, my answer to that question is, yes. <laughs> Death in all its forms is scary. But it is one thing to let this fear drive our lives, drive our relationships, drive even our understanding of the Christian life, and form strategies to avoid facing those things that threaten us. But it is another thing to face such fears, but because knowing that it is not the final word, but because it is about following Jesus to the cross and the resurrection, that we can actually step into them. How many of you have uh, participated in sacred suppers? Many of you guys. Um, how many of you guys are blessed by them? I just wanted to say that, just, just ask that, because I've been so blessed by that. And I got to say, I was actually a little bit surprised as I was preparing this, that I remembered something that we read about a year ago, because that normally doesn't happen for me, about the courage of martyrs, that courage is about facing what threatens life. Facing what threatens life. And there was, there was this wonderful quote. Most of us will not have to die for our faith, but we will face moments when we will have to choose between Christ and something else that vies for our ultimate 
allegiance. So for the sake of Christ, we have to learn to die daily. And this is part of the lesson of the Lenten journey, I believe. This slow, it's long, this somber, you give up things. Almost a grim march toward Easter that must first go through the horror of betrayal of Maundy Thursday and the crucifixion of Good Friday and this excruciating silence of Holy Saturday. This is so countercultural, right? It goes against pretty much everything. So much of how the rest of the, the our world tells us that we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live denying to avoid such fears and death at all costs. Don't think about it unless you have to. Those fears that paralyze us, those dark places, and those things that we are scared might take the life of us. Avoiding the dirt at all costs. But this Lenten journey, if you're like me and you've experienced just, um, if you experience celebrating Easter, just kind of like you go through Christmas and then a couple months, a few months later, you celebrate Easter, you do that for many years versus going through Lent, then you finally get to Easter, it feels different, right? Easter comes alive from death. It feels different. And I believe that's part of the Lenten journey that we're being taught. Lent will never win the popularity contest in the church calendar. No one will ever say, that family only comes to church on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. <laughs> but we really need this journey as it reminds us to have courage because we can have courage to face those things that threaten life, that we can step into those things that we're deathly afraid of because we follow in the footsteps of our Savior. What would it look like to step into such fears, to have courage so that our spirituality isn't always about praying, save me from this fearful hour? I don't want for us to feel guilty if we pray that either. That's okay. But what would it look like for us to realize that sometimes we're supposed to say, no, this hour is a time in which I need to step into my fears and have courage. And we learn to pray, Lord, give me courage to face these fearful, death-dealing things. One area that I've been uncovering, what I've been asking this question about, it has been in the context of a church. I had this amazing conversation this Friday with some pastors that I meet with on a regular basis discussing what threatens us, our ministry, and our churches from faithful discipleship. And somehow we landed on this. The main thing that we landed on, what might threatens the church, is actually our inability to have courageous conversations for the fear of disunity for the fear of conflict, for the fear of being, our grace not being enough, for the fear that somebody might judge us, for the fear that we might be labeled something 
What would it look like for our churches to be a place in which those fears don't dictate our culture? It happens in churches. It could also happen in our families and our relationships, right? Fears drive our relationships sometimes more so than our desire to serve, our desire to show grace. It happens with ourselves. This denial, this avoiding, having to face dealing with things that are killing us. Part of the way, one of the strange ways and I find myself here is about two years ago, I stepped away from ministry and after having done congregational ministry for all my adult life and I don't remember ever having missed more than one Sunday in which I was away from a church doing something and came in here needing some place to just sit and just kind of do nothing, and just needing some shade to rest. I thought I was here for a visit. It's a long visit. <laughs> it's like the in-laws that won't go, no. Uh, <laughs> that's. But I started to begin, begin this journey of healing, and part of that had to do with just discovering all these things about myself that I was not facing up to that I had all of these things that I built up about myself, my identity as a child of God, and I spent most of this time, I told people that it was, the, it was almost embarrassing because it was so simple that I couldn't even say it because it was so simple that I needed to figure out what it meant to be a child of God before I was a servant of God. Because I was so scared of who I was without being a servant of God, without being Pastor Jin at that time. I was so scared. I realized I was so scared that I didn't know what I would be without that. So part of this journey has been stepping into those fears because those things were killing me. I, weren't, I wasn't facing up to them. I, wasn't, I was in complete denial of them, but my body started to break down. My emotionally, I, I found myself incredibly short with my family, and they were telling me that for years, and I couldn't listen. But it was only after I started stepping into these scary, fearful places that I found, wow, Jesus is here. <laughs> it was still scary, still troublesome, but Jesus was here. I love the story about what Brennan Manning said about after meeting Rich Mullins for the first time. He said of him, this man knows the real Jesus. Only someone who has experienced the forgiveness and mercy of the redeeming Christ could dare to be so open about his brokenness. What would it look like for us to embrace our journey into the dirt, into the earth, in our lives?